Welcome into this edition of EMA Radio, and we uh, we bring back a special guest. Some have called him a traitor. I have not said that. Um, he is back just to give his thoughts because if there's one thing that he uh, probably loves more than anything, it's calling anybody and everybody in college sports a bozo. And I oh. think that probably uh, one of the bozos of the week for Alec uh, who is making a triumphant return would be Brett Yormark for wanting to outsource games to Mexico uh, for football <laughs> and basketball in the Big 12. It sounds like a crazy idea. Why would, and that's, you know, I, I go that way too. Why would anybody in Mexico care about Big 12 <laughs> athletics? I, you could play, I, I think you could play, uh, I, I don't know, I'm trying to, th- you could play Kansas, North Carolina basketball in Mexico, and I don't think that they care. Like, <laughs> Why would they care about college athletics there? I, I don't know. We'll, we'll dive into the full thing and talk about it. And that's really the point of uh, today's episode is to break down what the heck is going on uh, with Brett Yormark and, and this idea. Look, he's, we know he's an outside-the-box thinker. He has a lot of big ideas. Some have obviously already helped the Big 12. Others probably aren't actually going to do anything to hurt or help the Big 12 but he's at least making an attempt and other things that ultimately may kind of hurt the big 12 in some ways, which I would point to something like that being if he ever moved the big 12 tournament out of Kansas city and played it in like LA or Vegas or whatever, don't take it out of your base. Don't be an idiot. Like just telling you that. So a lot to get into. Uh, Here's some of the, the basic details on what the big 12 is looking at doing for those of you that aren't, up to speed on this or haven't seen what's going on here. Um, It was reported earlier this week by the Houston Chronicle that the Big 12 was coming close to to a deal to play football and men's basketball games in Mexico as soon as 2024. Um, A couple of the bullet points here. The agreement isn't complete yet, but would last for multiple years and is not meant as a one-off experience. Football games would take place in Monterey and men's basketball in Mexico City with a potential for more sports in the future. Specific dates and teams involved have not yet been determined, but Kansas and Houston are potential teams for a Mexico City basketball game, according to multiple reports. Again, why would anybody care? Why would anybody want to go to a college basketball game there? I've got no idea. Uh, that's kind of what we'll we'll dive into here, and I, I just think – Brett Yormark, he, he's trying all these different things. He comes from more of a professional background, as we know. He spent time doing things for the Brooklyn Nets. So, in turn, he's probably, and we've seen this, he's doing a lot of things similar to the, what the professional ranks have done. The NBA has played games in Mexico before. The NFL's played games in Mexico before. Major League Baseball just got done playing games in Mexico. It was a disaster uh, in some people's eyes. Not because people didn't show up. People absolutely showed up, and it was a great time. But there was 11 home runs hit in one game uh, because of the elevation, and so people complained about that, which is fine. People can find reasons to complain about everything. Uh, but we'll, we'll go We'll go with Alec here. Welcome, welcome him back in. Uh, what was the initial thought when you saw Brett Yormark was thinking about taking Big 12 games and moving them from Stillwater, Oklahoma, and Lawrence, Kansas, and – Lubbock, Texas, and throwing them in Mexico City, which Lubbock already is Mexico for for all I care. You know, it's it's all the way out there. But what what did you think of that? 
Yeah, so I got the first of all, happy to be back. Um, I missed you and I missed hopping on Ema Online's radio show, whatever you're calling it these days, now that I'm gone. I mean, you've taken the yeah, you've taken everything in your own direction. Uh no, so I, I was scrolling through Twitter earlier this week and Tom Fornelli tweeted out a link to it. He works for CBS Sports. I think Dennis Dodd was the first to report it. And um I was just like, What? Like I was confused. Cause I didn't get it. Like I had not heard anything about this being a possibility. I didn't see any reports of it. Did some reading. And my first thought of it was why in the living hell would Kansas. And I'm just picking Kansas because like they're the most like, we're not giving up a home game unless we have to give up a home game group. Right. Like they have the best. My, well, here's it real quick because it's been thrown out there that like it would be Kansas and Houston. Yes. My guess would be is that it would be Houston giving up the home game because Houston, they don't draw anybody at the Fertitta Center, really, and it's a really tiny place. I feel like that some heads would roll if uh, KU was having to go on the road for a game or was having to give up a home game like that. So I yeah, would so imagine that, it would be whoever like they my, play, but yes. So that came out later in the week that like they want it to be a KU and Houston basketball game in Mexico. And like I guess that makes sense. Like That probably looks like it's going to be your best conference basketball game in terms of viewership and brand power and teams are probably going to be competing mm-hmm. at the top of the conference though like you know baylor's gonna be good i think we're all buying sock in k-state in the future considering the success they had in their first season under tang and everything else but like houston and ku have had the most success of recent memory they look like they're going to be good here in the future again obviously so like, i just didn't understand why ku would even consider giving up a home game at island field house and then i'm thinking like what kind of dialogue would kansas fans have if they were told that they lose a potential top 10 home game at Allen Fieldhouse, presumably on a Saturday or a big Monday mm-hmm. for it to be played in Mexico. Like, I, I just can't imagine the vitriol that those people in Lawrence, Kansas would have. And then I started thinking about it from a football perspective. It's like, okay, basketball is where a lot of things go for, for big 12 or with my mind because of how good the league has been. But then I flipped it to football. I'm like, okay, K-State is probably a program that's going to be near the top of the Big 12. A lot of people think that. They just want a Big 12 title. They're trending in the right direction. Chris Kleiman is a kick-ass head coach. And I'm thinking, I mean, I only spent a year in Manhattan, Kansas, but those people love football. Like, oh. those pe- like those tailgate lots on three sides well, of the stadium are full. Like, and look, uh, you, you weren't here, obviously, a year prior because I know where you're going with this about, you know, like if K-State had to give up a home game in Manhattan. Yeah. People were pissed off when K-State voluntarily gave up a home game to play in Arlington the year before to start the season against Stanford in the, you know, kickoff classic down there. When, like, that was a game where K-State was going to get paid to do that. Like, there was going to be financial benefit to it, and K-State was still going to play seven home games that season like it's not like that they were truly losing a home game the schedule was stacked kind of odd and there was a faction of people that were still really upset about that so i really can't imagine that would go over well moving it to mexico i will say because like people can drive from manhattan to dallas arlington whatever like people are you don't like have to get a passport you know like the only borders you're crossing are oklahoma and and texas they're not going to cabo they're not going to cancun or like Another good vacation spot where you can make it a long weekend or something. They're going to Mexico City. No one in America is like, I want to go vacation to Mexico City. Or I want to go to Monterey, Mexico and go there. 
no one in America is like, yep, that's where I want to go for vacation or enjoy a long weekend. You know, what? I'm going to watch my college football or basketball team play while I'm down there. Like, it's just I don't get it. I don't understand what he's trying to do. And like, I guess you could sell me on the idea of like, OK, you're trying to increase brand power. You're trying to get to a new market. And like, it might work. Like, there's definitely going to be people that buy tickets. And yeah, like there's definitely. But like, I still feel like a majority of the fans that are down there are going to be fans of that school that live in America. Uh, and then two, like you're not increasing your media rights deal here. And three, like if you're a school newsflash, uh, there's not football recruits in Mexico guys. Like Chris Kleiman's yeah. not going to Mexico city and bringing back a four-star offensive tackle. He's just yeah. not. No, that that's kind of my, that that's, those are some of my bigger points in all of this is like if you go and you look at the situation uh, down there, like the NBA goes down there, it's a big, it's a big like cash grab for them essentially because they sell out their arena. Yeah. Um, it's a big deal, and like the NBA is trying to build their brand globally. Obviously, they've established themselves in other locations. Now they're trying to do it in a place like Mexico, where like. The NBA's big over in like basketball has grown into China and Japan. It's a big deal. Obviously, some of the other European countries have produced great NBA talent. So, like the NBA has taken off there. Really, the the next spot for the NBA, and they've been working on this for over thirty years now. Because uh, I think nineteen ninety is the first time that they played a game in Mexico. Um, is trying to get expanded into Mexico and like the Spurs are doing some things down there. Like they're trying to make the Spurs like a pseudo home team. Um, they did just add a, a G league team in Mexico city this year um, for, for the NBA. And I think they average like between 2000 and 3000 fans a game, which is, I don't know, pr probably pretty good for a G league game. Like I, I got no interest in going to a G league game. So uh, like I get it to some extent, but that's for the NBA and the professional level. It's the same thing. The NFL is doing like, like they those brands see, already have reach. Yeah, and they and they see like an opportunity to helicopter in, play one game, maybe sell like some massive TV audiences, and you're great. Like, I guess the one argument that that could be made here in favor of Brett Yormark, where obviously it's not going to change anything that you do broadcast wise in America, but if you're Brett Yormark and you think that you're going to be able to package together Big Twelve rights and sell them in Mexico, them and like. And like, if like, are you thinking that like Mexico is so star for sports, like that they're going to say, you know what, like, because I'm sure they already have NFL games on down there. I'm sure that they have you know Spurs games going on down there, and I'm I'm also sure that Major League Baseball has some footprint there. But like, is that Brett Yormark thing? Hey, there's room for us here. I I think we compete can compete with the three biggest you know professional leagues in the world. Not to mention the fact that soccer is a big deal down there. And that's a very important uh, part. Like, I guess maybe that's the one case that he can make. I just think that this is one of those things that in the end, it's not really going to change a whole lot other than kind of what we talked about, pissing off fan bases that they're losing a, a game to Mexico if they have to, you know, if it's a home game on their schedule. So it really just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Like, it doesn't add up why you would do this. And you're absolutely right. Like, number one, if it's a football game, and you lose the home game, you're losing a weekend of having recruits in house because yeah. and I those what, are if, valuable. If, if your fans aren't going to, you know, get their passport and make the trip to Mexico city from Ames, Iowa, 
You know who absolutely isn't going to be able to do it? It's the kid that finished playing a high school football game at 1030 on a Friday night in uh, Ankeny, Iowa. And it's like, okay, well, we can't go to Ames this weekend, but uh, Coach Campbell's invited me down to Monterey, Mexico, and we can go check out the clones <laughs> playing UCF. Let's go do that. Like, that just doesn't that doesn't make sense. And then also, you're not going to get down there, and Matt Campbell's not going to be, you know, looking through. He's not going to be searching rivals up and down, going through the top 150 and finding a single kid that is in Mexico. And it's like, oh, we got a, we got some local guys down here at least. Like, maybe once every 15 years, this would benefit in some way recruiting wise. But like, man, maybe I maybe I will I will give you this, and people can comment this. People can say this. Maybe I am too stupid to understand what the benefit to this would be because I really have a tough time grasping at anything to where this makes sense to me. And I I really think, look, I love a lot of people. I absolutely love a lot of people that that have that talk about this stuff. They're they're smart. I respect them. But I will say this: I, at this stage, I think anybody that is supporting Brett Yormark in the Big Twelve and doing this is like, yeah, this is a good idea. You probably are just like overboard and like blinded by your love of Brett Yormark for saving the Big Twelve and saying some of the right things and being aggressive. And instead of just you know kind of stepping back and and just you know kind of hiding away and saying oh please don't smack me you know george klyovkov brett yormark said screw getting slapped like let's just you know let, let's slap back come on let's do this thing like you're probably just really in love with brett yormark to actually see what's going on here so i have a lot of questions about <laughs> what is going to go on here it just doesn't make any any sense to me why this would happen and look again. Here, here's to me why. Again, I will, I, I will say this: if the Big Twelve ends up landing massive TV deals and getting more money because some, you know, broadcaster in Mexico is like, man, we're gonna have this these teams here this year. We have to get the rights to the Big Twelve here in Mexico. Like that would be huge. Then all right, good, good for you. But like this has happened before. K State played a game in Tokyo one time against Nebraska. I can't tell you the last time a, a, a college football game was played in Tokyo. You know, like hasn't happened for a while. They play every I know. Now. Like there's been games in Ireland. Yeah, there there have been some. But other they're games. one-off things, right? Yeah. Like to me, that's why it doesn't make sense. It's it's one-off. It's non-conference games, and like the third thing here. Well, and I don't of, understand why the they're team. signing the paperwork to make it a long process. Like, why don't you just throw one game there, and yeah. if it works, okay, then throw another put, game there. Put UCF. Put, Cincinnati there next year and try it out. Nobody cares what happens to them. Like, except see you what see happens. Cincinnati fans. Oh, but you know, that's who cares about them. You know who? Okay. Well, and it's going to end up being the Texas teams that go down there the most. Well, like yeah, you, like, said, like, you would have to have not any BYU there. No, like, no. BYU, well, <laughs> wait, BYU. I don't know. I, 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 let me do some checking on, uh, uh Mormon population. In yeah. <laughs> so I, like, it's going to end up being Texas Tech. It's going to be TCU. It's going to be Houston and Baylor. Those are going to be the four schools that I feel like go down there the most that are being forced to give up home games or just give up opportunities to play in front of their fans in the state. Like, I don't get it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you end up seeing schools like TCU and Baylor getting shipped down there like a good bit because, you know, they're pretty close in proximity. So it's like their fan bases could kind of infiltrate each other's stadiums. I 
I just don't get it. And I guess the whole idea is like, if it doesn't work, then like whatever, just pull it out and quit. I can't imagine it's going to be too expensive to break the contracts if it doesn't work. But yeah, this is just not, this isn't like in the 1980s and 1990s when K-State was going to play Nebraska and Tokyo or like Illinois, for example, that's what, where I obviously went to school. Like they were supposed to play someone in Russia, I think, or yeah, exactly. I want to say it was the, like that was like Soviet Union era, and they decided not to for you know. Oh, the, what a novel idea! Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Russia doesn't like the United States. Let's not go over there as Americans to play a, a sporting event. I, you know, I'm look. That's look. I'm glad Brittany Griner is home. I'm just <laughs> there. There. There were times when I would think about that. Like uh, Connor Frankamp, former Jayhawk, turned Wichita State Shocker. Uh, seeing him play in TBT last year, it was like his last professional team was Russia. I'm like, why would you want to go there right now as an American? Like, find some other country to play in. Like, and obviously that's not going to happen in Mexico. Like, there's tons of stuff going on sporting wise and and whatever else where people are going into Mexico. Like, it, it would be a fine time. It's just a matter of how many people are actually going to end up down there. And another, like, I don't know, I. I just look at, at how it's played out elsewhere and it made sense to have like Northwestern and Nebraska play in Ireland last year, I guess for just, you know, it, it's a one-off thing. Obviously Nebraska people are going to travel for something like that. Yeah, I think no- Notre Dame, they've played in Ireland before, yeah. um, which makes sense again. Um, they play like big brands. Yeah. Big brands that have gone and done this now. I think Cal in Hawaii or Cal and somebody played like a game in Australia. Uh, it was my freshman year of college. I missed that. Seems stupid. And I can't imagine it was well attended. Just, you know, a thought, I guess I can go back and find a uh, kind of the, the, the box real, score and everything. real quick. I did some brief research on the Illinois game in mm. Russia. Uh, yeah, it was against, it was supposed to be against USC. It was supposed to be played in Moscow. Um, and it was supposed to be played in 1989, but the game ended up not happening, I believe. Mm-hmm. And here's a real funny. This is going to make you laugh. Um, Illinois made jerseys for government figures uh, to present as gifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronald Reagan had a jersey. George H.W. Bush had a jersey. And the best one, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev also was going to be given an Illinois football jersey. Like, what is Mikhail Gorbachev going to do with this? Like, Big Illini <laughs> guy, I guess. Exactly. I guess. Huge. Um, uh, all right. I, so I did find, I was right. Cal and Hawaii played a game in Australia in uh, 2016 in week zero. And the, uh, the attendance, the listed attendance was 61,000 in an 83,500 person stadium. So, I mean, I mean like that's really good, but what, like I, I, what came out of this? Like I'd be interested to talk to somebody from Cal or Hawaii and figure out, what this did for them, it obviously didn't do shit for the Pac-12. I'm sorry, folks. That was uncalled for for me to be that brazen about my, my <laughs> use of the S word. Um, but, like, I'm just confused. And, you know, the other point, too, was, like, we Gabe has pointed this out to us. Like, there are some Larry Scott vibes to this, uh, the, the failed previous commissioner of the Pac-12. Look, I would say this. There were a lot of other things that led to like Larry Scott's ideas not working out. 
Yeah, um, like the San Francisco and, office headquarters. Yeah, exactly. Who like was going to be able to pay and run for a net run a network out of his conference? Because some of this stuff, like we've said, like ultimately at the end of the day, I think the only thing that comes out of this as a negative is people are just really upset and there's hurt feelings. Like you're not gonna, you're probably, you're definitely not gonna lose money. Like they wouldn't do this if there was a risk of losing money here, or at yeah. least what they perceive to be a risk. Um, so that's really the only thing that's there with it, but it just seems like an unnecessary thing to do, especially when more so than a lot of other places, like obviously we know that in sec country football is a big deal and the big 10 and big 12, they treat it equally. Um, a couple of ACC schools and a few PAC 12 schools are also in there, but like, this is, this is kind of a place where like, you probably just shouldn't mess with it and, and try and take it away from people um but we'll see we'll see how it ends up working out like i just i i guess i read it i read the story and i thought to myself would the sec ever do this would the big 10 ever do this would the acc ever do this and i just kept no i like i just don't think they would but again like you said like i don't think the negatives are really that that drastic like it's really it's really easy to make fun of the idea i think and laugh at the idea which i've obviously done throughout this entire episode as people who have listened or have watched can easily tell like you've made me laugh throughout the whole thing but it's 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 easy to make fun of and it's easy to laugh at but i don't really know if it's really that stupid because i don't think that the negative effects of it are that drastic other than just upsetting and pissing off your fan bases because you're taking away a home game from from them and I mean, I wouldn't want to do that if I was an athletic director. Like, I don't know the finances behind it, I guess. But if I was Gene Taylor, like, <laughs> I wouldn't be thrilled about losing a game at Bill Snyder's family stadium or losing mm-hmm. a game at Bramlage against any Big 12 school because those are the games that draw the most fans. Those are the games that draw the best TV ratings and everything. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe there's some financial incentive if you're the school that gets picked that has to go over there once or twice a year. Um, I guess, but like, I also I also just don't understand how the Big Twelve is going to sell this. Like, they yeah. don't have college sports in any other country in the world, as far as I'm concerned. As far as I know, now, correct me if I'm wrong there, but like, I don't know of any other country that has college sports. Um, not not to this level certainly yeah like, where it's like of this importance um so i i don't know i mean like college football is the second biggest sport in america in terms of viewership yeah. and fan engagement and everything else right like so why are you taking that out of america and throwing it into mexico like if you look at the teams the nfl generally throws over to games in london or games in you know mexico it's the jaguars mm-hmm. It's the Dolphins. It's teams that don't traditionally draw that yeah. well. Like, I know the Patriots are going to play in Germany this upcoming year. And I don't know who they're playing, but you obviously need two teams to go. And, like, the Jags, I feel like, play in London every year. They're like a Sido London NFL team. And it's no yeah. secret that the NFL has, like, explored the idea of putting a team in London or, like, putting a team in Mexico or whatever. It's just, like, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't get so, it. I don't understand the big picture of it because I don't understand the big picture gains that are going to come from it. I, I mean, really, I think I think what you're banking on is that. Uh, well, number one, if you can pack, if you can prove that you can pack a stadium every year, and that's going to provide a significant payday for, um, like for for the schools that are going. 
because here's the thing, like the Big 12 was going to want their money out of it, but then distribute it to the two schools that were involved. And then also a little bit of a kick to the rest of the conference because, you know, they're probably going there next or whatever. Um, that's what you're going to have to figure out is how is that money split going to work out? That might make some sense. The argument here's here's the argumentative side for it. Like you can you can present this. I, also, I looked up this numbers. Uh, one and a half million Mexican citizens uh, identify as as uh, Latter Day Saints me- members, Church of Latter Day Saints. So there you How go. Many, what's the population of Mexico? Uh, I looked that up to 127 million. <laughs> okay, so a little less than one percent. Yeah, exactly. So again, like. But here's the thing. I guess if BYU went down there and there's one and a half, you know, that one and a half million down there, then maybe that would be something where they went. Another point that was made, uh, like I'm just, I'm just giving. <laughs> you look that up. Things you didn't expect Mason to look up today. No, that. I did. I, I did look <laughs> that up. I was like, well, I wonder what the, you know, because uh, like that's the art. That was the argument for like why BYU makes sense for the Big Twelve. Like it's automatically a lot of built-in nas- national households for for the big 12 if they get BYU. Um, this is from, this is from uh, Garrett McClintock, who is, he's, he actually is a, does some writing for the BYU 24 seven site. Um, and he does some other stuff too, but he, he pointed out a couple of key things as well. Texas tech, Houston and UCF um, are all Hispanic serving institutions, which basically there are a lot of other things that go into it, but essentially um, at least 25% of their enrollment is Hispanic. So okay. there are already schools in the Big 12 that have some, you know, positioning there um, that, that fit a little bit more. And then he also points out that, like, schools that have been rumored, if the Big 12 expanded more, like Arizona, Arizona State, and San Diego State would also kind of fit that bill. Um, so those would be some of the arguments for. I, I guess – it's not as stupid as it seems on the face. It's very easy to laugh at. So like at the end of the day, I still would prefer the big 12 not do this. Cause I just think that you're, um, you don't want to go cover a cat's game in in Mexico city. N- no, it's a hassle to go to Morgantown, West Virginia. I don't want to have to go to, yeah, I don't have a passport. You mean you don't want to go see K state play Oklahoma state in Mexico? No, city? no, I don't. <laughs> I don't even like going watching them in Stillwater. I'm sure those <laughs> paddles would travel. So like it's it's not crazy stupid, but it is still just kind of like why are we doing this and like can we just focus on, you know, the the first couple of steps of now like thriving beyond surviving whereas like I think Brett is just in he's in go mode. Like he's got the green light special going. He's he's sitting there with his wedge 130 yards out zero wind pin is in the middle of the green. And he said, all right, this is green light special. Let's just pipe one in there. Like settle her on in. We, we don't need to be careful. We don't need to worry about anything. Like, I don't know. I, I, I can, I can see why he's tempted to do it with his background and, and what he sees. Um, I just think that ultimately there's not going to be a, a real big benefit to the big 12 in doing this. And that's why like percentage wise, you know, you talk about this, like, so Keontae Johnson, let's let's use an analogy here. Keontae Johnson is in this position right now where it seems like like his decision making process is probably closer to 50-50 than anything else where it's like, well, I would like to go back play another year of college basketball. K-State that was awesome. There's a lot there for me, but also like 
I know if I get good feedback, I should go to the NBA route. Like I should start making my money, get my professional clock started and everything else. So mindset wise, he is 50, 50 in reality though, where would I put the chances of him coming back to K state much lower than 50%. Like it would be probably more in in an area of going like, well, like if you told me, you know, I, I'd probably go like 80% he goes pro just because of like how things should be weighted. There's a lot but, of other circumstances. Yeah, there, but right? inside it, but like for him, it may be a 50-50 yeah. decision. In reality though, like it would seem more likely that, that the 50 that says go pro works is, is what wins out. And that's what I would say here is like, to me, there's a 50-50 chance. Maybe there's like a 50-50 chance that this works out. Like, I guess really there is. Two, two options come out of this for the Big 12. Number one, they go down there. They do exactly what they want. It's big paydays for each game they play there because they pack whatever stadium or arena they're in for basketball or football. People love it up. People keep coming. It's not just Mexican citizens. You're getting you know people to travel from wherever they're at in Big 12 country. They go down there and maybe they they find out that they enjoy it. You know, like I think football has a better chance of surviving because it seems like these one-off football games in different destinations can work. Maybe that's because we already know that it works with bowl games. You know, like as much as people say they hate bowl games, people keep having them. TV helps people that, but also them. people people will also just go to them randomly. Um, and it feels like a bigger attended, event. But people for a football watch them game. like crazy. It feels like a bigger event for a football game. Basketball? Are you really going to go to Mexico City for two hours and then get out of there? Like they play they play thirty of these games. You know what? I'll catch them when they're back in Manhattan next week. I don't need to go down. I don't need to go to the to Mexico City or whatever. Well, so that's that's what I could see. You know, they go down there. It works out financially immediately, and then also they do get their TV contract they want. But on the other side of that, and what I see is the more likely outcome, whereas this is a 50-50 thing, but in reality, there's probably an 80% chance this is what happens. This 50% turns out. It's that they go down there. It's a, it's a, like, they don't lose money. Maybe you see a little bit of a marginal uptick um, for a one-off game. It's like, eh, okay, it was kind of fun, but I never need to do that again. And we've also just really pissed off a bunch of our fans back in the U.S. because we took a home game away from them in football or basketball, and we took it to a place that a lot of people can't really easily get to because, again, somebody like me, I don't have a passport, like, and I don't want to go through the hassle of getting one just to go to a random football game when I know, hey, next weekend, boom, uh, they're going to be right back at home. So I think you just have a chance to alienate your fan base and and really fire some people up. And the the analogy that I would use for this, for what Brett Yormark is doing, so I m- my family has like a, an education background. My mom's a teacher. My my grandpa was a superintendent. Like different people in my family are teachers. And so I see how things go from a little bit of a different perspective when uh, there's like leadership changes inside of a school district. And I would put it this way, like schools are one of the big things that schools always try to get done every couple of years. They're trying to pass a bond issue. They need a ton of money. that's going to raise people's taxes. They're trying to get somebody to vote for them. And a lot of times you need that bond issue to you know, progress to school a little bit, or you think to progress to school a little bit. So like when I, it was a big deal when, when I was younger, they tried to, to pass a bond issue in the Bueller school district. Believe the first time they tried it, it failed. It did not work out. So what did they do? Well, after they, you know, a change, 
they they looked for a new superintendent that could help deliver for them. They went out and they got a superintendent that could deliver, that could come in and he knew exactly what to kind of do, the the buttons to press. He was like the big he was the big picture guy. We you needed him for one reason. He came in, bond issue got passed, and then eventually, you know, he's he was out. He wasn't around very long. And the next guy came in that could kind of take the reins. And his job was to focus more on the everyday situations that a superintendent in that district would need. What I see for Brett Yormark is he's the superintendent that comes in on the fly. The Big 12, they need this in a big way. They need the guy that can come in and save them. Brett Yormark has clearly done that. He came in. He delivered a, a really good TV deal relative to what they had and they were staring at. They are competitive above right now what the Pac-12 and ACC are going to be bringing in. It puts them third. They put the Pac-12 on shakier ground. Like, Brett Yormark has done what he needed to do. And now, like, I'm not saying that Brett Yormark should be fired because I still think that there are some good things. He oh, can yeah, deliver. no, no, no. But yeah, yeah. Brett Yormark isn't maybe the kind of commissioner that should be around in five years, where at well, some point, like, this thing needs to kind of cool off a little bit. And you need to bring in the commissioner that can handle the day-to-day operations of the Big 12 as opposed to thinking that everything that he needs to do is this big, grandiose thing where it's like, hey, guess what? I already saved you one time. Boom, I'm saving you again. Like, he's got a hero complex about him, yeah. and it's it's bigger and better and go, go, go. And that's kind of where I think Brett Yormark is at, where he's one of those guys that he's here for the big picture, and maybe at some point – it's going to be really tough for a guy like that to actually handle what the majority of Big 12 people actually want and is bet and think is best for the league. And I'll give it to you in a second. Like like I said, I could be very wrong on all this. Maybe it works out. Maybe he he hits it out of the park with this. But it just seems like there's a greater chance that he doesn't. And you're just going to fire a lot of people up. And after two or three years of trying to make this work, everybody looks back and says nothing came out of that. And we lost home games in football and basketball and nobody showed up. So I'll, I'll go off of the idea that Brett Yormark was in essentially what you were saying is that he was hired to create a media rights deal for the big 12. Yeah. Um, and I think it's pretty clear, like in the big 10, Kevin Warren was hired for the same purpose. And I think in the PAC 12, you can say the same thing with George Kleokoff that he was hired to get the PAC 12, a new media rights deal. And obviously Kevin Warren overwhelmingly succeeded in that manner with the big 10 securing a seven or $8 billion deal. And George Kikoff has yet to figure something out for the PAC 12, even though it's been going on for what seven, eight months at this point. Um, and now there's just like you, like you said, when we've been messaging about this, like all the reporting that goes on with it at this point is just pandering back and forth. Like there's sources on each side that say different things and whatever else. But Brett Yormark's job with the Big 12 was to get them a media rights deal. And he did that and he executed it in a very effective fashion. And by all accounts, got them a great media rights deal for all the members of the league. And now he's like, has all these other forward thinking ideas. Some of them that I actually like think are really cool. Um, The idea of doing a park series in New York um, before Mm -hmm. the college basketball season starts where you send different players to New York to engage with park legends or whatever you want to call them in New York, or just kind of play with kids in Rucker park and different parks in New York city. Like, I actually think that that's kind of cool. Um, and that's actually a good idea. Uh, but like there's other ideas that he's had that we've heard of 
um, and our own discussions with people or discussions that we've had with people together about trying to make broadcast more entertaining and engaging the audience and broadcast more. It's like, I don't think that you need to do that. Like, I don't think that that's actually going to make the broadcast that much more enjoyable for the fans. Like, and I guess I would compare it to major league baseball games. Now, if you tune, if you tune into the Sunday night game, right? Like for one inning, they'll mic a guy up on the home team and they'll talk to him as he's playing defense usually. Mm -hmm. And they, they do this a lot in the all-star game too. And I I think it's really cool. I, I enjoy it. But also, like, I don't know how much it really adds to my, like, broadcast enjoyment. Like, I'm not turning yeah, well, on the Sunday and I, night. And I can tell you that, like, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, with I'm not turning on the Sunday night baseball game so yeah. I can hear Mike Trout or Alex Bregman or Nolan Arenado or Nico Horner or mm-hmm. whoever um, talk for a half inning as they play defense. Like, I don't think that a Big 12 basketball fan is turning on or a, a non-Big 12 basketball fan, someone who prefers to watch the SEC, yeah. the ACC, or the Big 10, is going to say, oh, I want to watch the Big 12 tonight because they may be interviewing Hunter Dickinson, for example, yeah. before a game starts. Or they might be interviewing Tyler Perry before a game starts. Like, I don't think that that's going to work. Like, I just don't think that that's going to engage an audience at a high level. I think, I think what the point of it probably is, now that I, like I, that I think about it, that's not for the actual broadcast itself. It's for the repackaging of it to distribute on social media. Like that's, that's yeah. where it comes from. Like on it to like, that's why MLB has to be doing it. Cause I'm with you. Uh, is it, I, I don't even know who Sunday night baseball is this week. It, I think, I, well, I, I know what channel it's on. Oh, <laughs> I was okay. asking, uh, <laughs> I was trying to think of who it was. Cause I, I wanted to say that I think Mookie Betts is going to be who they have, uh, mic'd up this week. Like, I'm not turning that game on to hear what Mookie Betts has to say in the the top half of the third inning. Like, I just, I don't care. And maybe you and I are different because maybe, we're of an age but... where we grew up watching sports on cable TV. I assume you had cable growing up. And you guys weren't streaming or doing whatever like I did. <laughs> and like people younger than us absorb their information differently than us. Like, yeah. And that's what's nuts is basically like you're 24, 25, I'm 23. And you go down like three years from me and kids are totally different with the way they absorb their information. And maybe that's why like this idea of going to Mexico is exciting and everything else. I just don't see the long-term gains of it like other people do. And I don't know. Generally speaking, like it's hard to say Brett Yormark hasn't done a good job um, because he accomplished his number one objective. And that's, and that's why like people in big 10 circles, right? Like they can say Kevin Warren did a bad job at certain things, but you can't say Kevin Warren failed because Kevin Warren secured the largest TV contract in college sports history for the 14 to be 16 members of the league. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the lens that I think Brett Yormark's tenure is always going to be viewed through is he got us a good TV deal. And then things went the way they went. And I just think in general, now you're going to see more and more college conference commissioners not serve that post for a decade or 15 or 20 years or whatever, like we did for the longest time. Like, I don't know how long Bob Bowlesby was in charge of the big 12, but you know, like I wouldn't bet on Brett Yormark being in charge of the league for that long. Like Kevin Warren was in charge of the league for not even three full years. I don't think. And now Tony Petit is in charge of the big 10 and like Greg Sankey is a college sports lifer. He's probably going to be in charge of the sec for a long time. Jim Phillips might be the same way in the ACC. 
But these guys who come into college sports and are commissioners of leagues who, who aren't college sports lifers or college sports employees for the longest tenure, like I don't expect them to be in college sports for a long time because their main purpose is to get a TV deal and they're all being hired from media companies in some fashion. So if Brett Yormark's taking a new job with whoever in six months, like I'm not going to be shocked. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, it's, I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna be, I don't know. I, I, I don't like it. I just, cause I think it's silly to try. Cause I just don't envision it working out because like, I mean, the Pac-12 tried to play a game over in China, and you remember what happened? I don't remember anything about the game. I just remember that Jello Ball got arrested. Uh, like, you know. Well, wasn't that their preseason tour? No, I thought that they went over there for an actual game, but maybe it maybe it was the preseason. Whatever. Tour. I mean, yeah, I know that they played. The Pac-12 has played games uh, like overseas in Asia before, and obviously they've played a game on Australia. And I don't know if they've played one since. And I, I don't know what Pac-12 broadcast rights look like in Australia right now. So it, it, it's just one of those deals where people are going to be very upset about it. The majority of your fan base, the people that just have the casual money, like you and me, that, I mean, if you know we weren't covering the team, like if we're just going in, we buy a, a random yeah. ticket and we're going to games or whatever, like we're not, the, we're not the sponsors, we're not the whatever that have the real money that makes a difference in this stuff. Um, but if enough people are upset about it, then it, it, it probably won't. Well, last and to go long. back to what you said earlier about like K-State losing the home game against Stanford, is that who it was against to go down to Arlington yeah, and play yeah. at the Cowboys stadium? Yep. Like there's certainly a large number of fans that were upset about that, but there's also a large number of fans, I think, who looked at that, who maybe live in Dallas because there's a lot of K-State graduates in the Texas area, right? From Yeah. So you're, you're kind of like helping – those people that maybe don't get to see their favorite college team play by sending them to Dallas, or there's like an excitement of, Oh, we're going to play in Jerry world. We're going to play in an NFL stadium. That's really, really cool for a lot of fan bases. But like, I don't think that you're, I don't know. Maybe you and I are just old men screaming, get off our lawn. But like, I wouldn't be excited if my favorite college football or basketball team was selected to go play a game in, Mexico, yeah. Or it feels like it, it feels like a, it feels like a punishment. Play if I can in person. Well, it's 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 also like you know this is this is weird too. We've seen this in basketball recently. These these one off games that they're doing in like South Dakota uh, as like a neutral site game. Doesn't that feel like kind of a punishment too? I think Gonzaga and Baylor played in South Dakota this year or last yeah. year. It was like the on, and it was streamed on Peacock. Look, I I'm cool. Like I if you know K State played in a tournament in Vegas or something, or they you know when they go back to the Maui Invitational, whenever that ends up being, like that's kind of a destination where you think, oh, that's kind of fun. Like that's interesting. It's a cool place. I don't need to go to South Dakota though. Like that feels like a punishment for a or game. Like or it's like these bowl games. Going to Ireland. Like there's yeah. a ton of people who are like, oh, I want to go to Ireland and tour. Europe and Irish culture and mm-hmm. have a Guinness. Like, like I said earlier, I don't know a lot of people who are signing up to go visit Mexico city. Yeah, no, you're right. Well, and, and just like, if you think about the bull games that, you know, get people to still show up, uh, obviously they're, they're the, the bigger ones. But if you think about what locations 
they are in, it ends up being locations that are still desirable for people to go to. Well, well for basketball. Yeah. But for like football, like the sugar bowl in new Orleans, people will enjoy an excuse to go to new Orleans. Look, new Orleans, not for me. It's it seems like a smelly, disgusting city from uh, what I experienced down there. But like, I get why people would enjoy that. Like if, if you like to go out and have a good time, you can do that there. Phoenix obviously is a great place for a lot of people to go in the winter. So the Fiesta bowl is fine. Obviously, the Rose Bowl, like that's a bucket list item for people. It's a great setting for college football there. Um, there are a lot of other, and then Atlanta and Dallas, they're just they're just big metropolitan areas with big, nice stadiums. It's easy for people to get to because they're big air hubs. Like there, there's a lot going into it. And Miami is in Florida, another warm place that people like going to. Um, there's a but, beach there. But people aren't like showing up in masses to the Wasabi Fenway Bowl, I can't imagine. Uh, or, you know, K-State played Syracuse in, in the inaugural Pinstripe Bowl back or, in 2000. Like these games are happening around a time of the year when people are looking to go on vacation because it's the end of the year. People are off work. They're trying to go to a warm place. Like if K-State plays Oklahoma State or plays Texas Tech in a football game in October in Mexico city, like people can't just go to Mexico city, right? Like, yeah, I, I, I don't, and, and the big 12 starts conference play after the new year for basketball. So when are you going to send teams down to Monterey, Mexico for a basketball game? Well, I think, I guess the, the timing of that would probably be, Maybe this ends up being one of those games that doesn't count towards the conference record that your mark has talked about doing uh, at the, you know, earlier in the year, but I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see how it plays out and where it goes. It seems silly. It seems like we're jumping the shark a little bit, like a little too far out in front of our skis. If we're, we're your mark, let's dial this thing back a little bit. Like, I don't think he should, like, I don't think he's doing a bad job yet. And I don't think like, if he does this idea, it makes him bad, but it certainly seems like kind of a dumb decision uh, that's just useless right now. Um, so maybe time to refocus on some other things and and like destabilizing the Pac-12 even more and getting the four corners to come and join join forces. Real quick, I do want to ask you something. Earlier in the show, you said um, that – you would be anti moving the big 12 basketball tournament out of Kansas city to move it to a place like Las Vegas or to Los Angeles or New York or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. What if they moved it to another city within the footprint of the big 12 or an area where there's other big 12 fans in that bad idea, bad idea. I was, I was blown away by how, how well attended it was in Kansas city. Obviously KU fans were there. K state fans were there. Iowa State fans traveled very well to it as well. Um, and when we went to the game at TCU, obviously it was poorly attended, but they started to have better attendance as the season went on. Same with Baylor. Um, I was there over break. Um, what if they put it in Dallas or and played it at the Maverick Stadium or whatever or put it in Oklahoma City for Oklahoma State fans? That's kind of pretty close to – the Kansas schools, the schools in Texas as well, mm-hmm. or put it in Houston or whatever. Like it was successful in Kansas so, City, but why are you against moving it to another another area within like the so, main Big Twelve footprint that isn't you know going to Central Florida, yeah. or Ohio, or 
you so here, I, I there are a couple of reasons for this one they've tried that before so the the big 12 tournament's been played in kansas city since 2010 um and they have averaged over 90,000 fans uh for the entirety of the the week when they've played games in kansas city and obviously things are a little bit different now um and like there, there are less people in the conference. There are less games that get played, um, but they've already played in other places. And Kansas City just typically gets the best support. Like they've played in D- Dallas at the American Airlines Center. They've played in Oklahoma City. Um, it just uh, Kansas City is where it is, especially now when you look around at how the conference is kind of like manifesting itself. Oklahoma City does just. I don't know that it makes a ton of sense. You're only going to have one team in Oklahoma now. Obviously, K-State, KU, they would still travel. I bet Iowa State still would, but it wouldn't be easy as easy as it is now. And the schools in Texas, they just don't – they're just not going to show up to that thing like the the three schools that we know will show up right now. Baylor and TCU are private schools. They're going to be smaller in nature – as you know, and from what we've told you, like nobody shows up to Baylor games anyways, despite them being a national title contender now over the last five years. Just they don't do it. Um, Texas basketball is second to them. Obviously, they're leaving the league, so it doesn't really matter. Houston, they have very small turnout for, for their games. They're, they have a very low-capacity home arena. And I, I know this from my one year of going to the American Athletic Conference tournament which takes place in Fort Worth. Um, the most fans of any school that were there was Wichita State. And that includes SMU, who was there in, in the area. That includes Houston, who was down there. That includes, you know, Tulane. It's not the craziest drive from New Orleans no. to Dallas. Um, like there are just – there are a lot of other teams in the area. Uh, Tulsa is in is in the league. I didn't see anybody there. Um I just have seen how it works out, and I think that the Big 12 is best where they're at right now. Now, here's what I would be open to, is if eventually the four corner schools are a part of the Big 12, if you got on some kind of rotation and you said, look, we are a we are a pretty wide-reaching conference. You're a national conference. We go, I mean, they're already going to be yeah. basically coast-to-coast now. So if you wanted to say, here's what we'll do. In a five-year period – we will we will play four of them four of the tournaments in Kansas City but we'll have one in Vegas and then in the next 5 year cycle at some point we will do a tournament in yeah, pick one east but i i don't really think that really matters i cuz really you're just trying to play to west virginia and ucf ucf's not going to show up ucf's not going to show up cincinnati yeah i mean what let's see here Cincinnati, Cincinnati has like a pretty decent basketball history. Yeah, I, I mean, great, so Cincinnati, Cincinnati to Kansas City is under nine hours. Um, and then, like, if you're trying to think of what would be the like the next option, uh, I guess I'm trying to think of places where uh, they've been done before. I guess the one that the Big Twelve could throw out there is like a wild card. And boy, people seem to lose their minds over this place right now. Is Nashville? Like, if the Big Twelve yeah. wanted to try Nashville at some point, that's where that's um, where the big that's where the SECs is at, though. Well, but they changed because they were in they were in Florida 
not this past year, but the year before that, they'll bounce around places. Uh, the Big Ten is going. The Big Ten has started to move theirs around. They traditionally they're in Indianapolis or Chicago. Next year they're going to Minneapolis, which is not going to yeah. go over well. In the past, they've done DC and New York, and those didn't go over well either. So, like, I definitely get it. Um, I, I was just curious, like, yeah. what your specific perspective was on keeping it within the footprint because yeah. you know you tossed out like Vegas or Los Angeles, and like that doesn't make sense to me because those two it areas aren't. In the but footprint. I think in Brett Yormark's mind, he goes, "Hey, this is where this is where we got to go. We got to try. We got to go bigger." Well, go we've heard New here. York too. Yeah. And that makes no sense. No, it doesn't. That makes no but sense at all. I, I will say this, like, I, I, I'm with you. I like what he suggested with, you know, the, the before the season thing where they go to, like, Rucker Park. That's going to bring that – will, that will bring eyeballs to you. As we know, there, are, there is basketball talent in New York City, so there mm-hmm. is a, a recruiting help there. That is something where you can get – I mean, that is definitely something that could be televised and – there's just a lot of things that are like, that makes sense to me. You're adding something that has absolutely zero risk. It seems like it's going to work out. And even regardless of if like you don't get the results you want, the coaches would, would like that because you get them to a part of the country that they're already having to go to recruiting wise anyways. But now it makes it easier for them where like we know the K-State staff was just in the, in the, the DC area this past week. Like, they're already up in the Northeast. That makes it easy. A guy like Marquise Noel was was in New York City. Like, there's there's reasons why that makes sense. So, I think, like, at the end of the day, Brett Yormark is still doing a good job. Does he say and do some things that are a little bit cringeworthy? Yes. But that's every single one of these guys that is in college athletics because they people that are so successful to some extent have to be so detached from reality um, that – they're just going to think at a different level than the, the common folk like us will about yeah. it. And they, and that's, what, and, makes and that's what makes them successful. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes them successful. Like some of these ideas that we think are dumb and it's just like, mm, seems silly is going to net the big 12 more revenue or some other conference, more revenue when their commissioner does it or whatever happens. But with this current setup, like it's, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just odd to think about. And obviously change is something that people are going to resist. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but I, it does seem silly for Brett Yormark to, Hey, I saved the conference. Now let's go try and make bi- the big 12 Mexico's favorite college conference. I yeah. I, I, to me, it all just kind of goes back to the sports and the leagues that are going to Mexico or Europe already they already have an international following to some measure. Like the NBA's is quite large. Major League Baseball, there's players in Major League Baseball who call Mexico home. Um, well, and yeah, and baseball, baseball and basketball have, or yeah, baseball and basketball have the built-in advantage of their sports are genuinely international right now, where they're played heavily in other countries and they get their talent from other countries. And football is not. Yeah, and it's never yeah. going to be. But I will say that's what makes football appealing in a one-off circumstance where they can yeah. do these big games. Is it's such a different concept that you will get people in in Mexico or Germany or wherever, like the NFL has tried these games to show up in full force because it is something different. There's a novelty to it, and what these leagues are then striving for is that it whets the appetite enough where they say. Oh, I like this. I want to see more of that, or I want to have the option to see more of it. And so you get a you get a TV channel in you know Mexico to say, hey, 
we want to be able to broadcast NFL games, or at the very least, we want to broadcast Cowboys games, or we want to broadcast like the the Chiefs have Germany as like their set international uh-huh. sp- space or whatever. Like they want Chiefs games in Germany. Like I get it to that extent. I I, I do, and, and that's what I, I'm sure your mark is hoping for. I just don't necessarily see it working out because as big college of a deal as, as college basketball is in, in, in the United States, it's just, I don't know that it's going to be able to, to survive uh, getting like Mexican TV rights, but we'll see. It's just not as big. It just doesn't have as big of a following around the world because yeah. other countries don't play college football and college basketball or college sports anywhere near the level that we do in the United States. And I think that's really why it's funny for us to kind of like think about and laugh about routinely sending games to a, to a place. Um, so I don't know I, for the big 12 sake, I do, I do hope it works. I think it would be really cool if it works and you, we get a game there every year for football and basketball that is heavily anticipated, whether that's a top 10 football game or basketball game or a ranked opponent game that you're really excited to see. And you've got a rowdy excited crowd of people who maybe don't always get to see games like that, or fans who travel from America to go see and, um, Maybe you've enjoyed a few Mexican cocktails down there for, for some good entertainment. But yeah, at the end of the day, like I personally right now, I just don't see it working. But again, like I hope I'm wrong because I think it would be really cool if, if it works. And mm-hmm. if it works, then I think you're opening the door for other conferences to kind of follow a similar model. And that, like, that's a good thing if college sports, in my opinion, expands worldwide because I really like college sports and I want more people to really like college sports. Yeah, no, it's true. And uh, I mean, I, I just I, I, I think Brett Yormark is doing all he can. He's he's obviously an ideas guy. Credit to him. I want to I want it like this is not a bashing Brett Yormark thing. It's just me being overly skeptical of something that I, I ultimately don't see really working out. Doesn't compute in my brain why uh, why it's going on. But it's all right. We'll see how it ends up working out. Uh but good, good to have you on here. Talk about Brett, the the main man trying to save college athletics one conference at a time, and uh, now it would appear one country at a time. So he's doing all he can. Uh, we'll see how it ends up working out, and uh, we'll we'll go from there. So uh, what, what's what's going on in Indiana land right now? Even though you're obviously not in Indiana yet. Yeah, it's, right? yeah, it, it's a pretty big. You'd be surprised. Like these people really like basketball, Mason. I don't I've know heard. if you ever heard. I've heard. Yeah, I don't know if you ever heard that one. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's a big recruiting weekend for Indiana. They are hosting a top ten recruit in the 2023 class, Mackenzie Mbako. Uh-huh. Um, he yeah, he recently visited yeah. KU. Has also visited St. John's. Um, and is also potentially going to visit Louisville, assuming he gets through this weekend without committing to uh, Indiana, which by all accounts it's expected. Uh, but yeah, they are eating up all the basketball content. There was some panic um, early, early in my days there about them not having enough players to even feel the basketball team. Mm, uh, but that panic has gone, gone away at this point. Um, good people over there. Enjoy, enjoy my time, but certainly miss working with you. Certainly miss working with Gabe. And then I miss, I miss K state too. I I'm living back home um, close to St. Louis right now. Uh, saw my apartment in Manhattan, but haven't been there for a few weeks came home my sister had a baby all those different things are going on in my life so um i will get back to kansas and we got to we got to take in another royals game uh before before you have some life changes going on in your personal life before well, i move away officially and everything else 
I'm just gonna for your sake. I hope that you're moved by the time that I have this this baby. Well, I don't I don't have the baby. My wife has the baby because I don't know that that would uh would mean great things for you. You'd be stuck in Kansas a while longer. But yeah, well, no. Look, I need any excuse I can uh, to go to a Royals game. Uh, they do they do dollar hot dogs every every Tuesday. Is that is every that the deal? Or? Yeah, every Tuesday. We can uh, probably go on another Tuesday. Yeah, I mean Tuesday nights are really tough though. That, that's a, that's a that was a tough drive back uh, that night, but I don't know. We'll we'll figure something out. We'll we'll see uh, what we can kind of dive into. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's definitely different right now. Uh, trying to you know man the ship. Obviously, uh, we're in different spots recruiting wise. Uh, K State is not hosting a twenty twenty three top ten kid. <laughs> Um, but hey, you know what? Hey, Maybe you guys two years one of the top ten transfers. Depends on who you ask. Uh, I some people have Tyler Perry as high as number two in the transfer rankings, and others have him as low as like thirty seven or something. So I mean, in the middle, he's like fifteen. I just I, fifteen twenty somewhere. The transfer in there. rankings. It, it's it to me. It seems pretty clear cut on how you would determine that. It's like if they were good, they're going to be good. Like it seems silly for like guys that kind of flopped even though they were five like stars to be ranked. yeah yeah to be ranked <laughs> so high it's like i don't know i would probably say that tyler perry is a better college basketball player than him right now but i wouldn't disagree with you ceiling i guess you know there's a ceiling there whatever uh we'll see so all right well that'll do it uh good way to, to end out the week a, a brief appearance from alec and uh i'll i'll get ready to exit here because my dog's getting angry at me and she is uh ready to eat so We'll do that. We'll uh, bid Alec farewell, and uh, we'll we'll probably talk to him again at some point in the near future uh, because he's got obviously nothing going on if he's just hanging out on a Friday. So, yeah, I've got you know I got to write a visit primer for this top ten recruit. So, mm, yeah, I, I I certainly don't have that to do. So uh, that will do it for us here at Emo Online, which is really just me right now. Um, and Alec, who used to be at EMA online, now he's with uh, the Indiana rival site, having a good time there, following the 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 candy striped pant wearers. Which, by the way, I would Are like ugly? a I would like a pair of those pants. No, I love that look. I can um, get you a pair. I was honestly disappointed that I didn't see any when we stopped in Knoxville because you know they, they go with the orange and white striped yes. pants, the cream skulls. I w- I was sad that I didn't see them there because I probably would have bought them. So, uh, that's <laughs> disappointing. I just really like that look for some reason. And I, so, uh, to the Western Kansas people that take this in, um, would have been, I was in high school. I don't remember what year, but, uh, playing in a tournament in Salina, one of the teams that was there, Bueller was playing there, but Goodland was one of the teams there. Goodland is the Cowboys and they are brown and gold or their colors. And, Guess what they did? They went brown and gold striped pants. Not not a great look. Um, maybe it was brown and white. I can't remember, but it was definitely brown and something striped. <laughs> I look. I respect trying it, but there are just some colors you're not going to be able to pull it off with, and brown is definitely one of them. Uh, but they're doing the best that they can with what they were provided. You know, a hundred years ago, when somebody decided, hey, we're going to have the color brown as our school color. So, There's a school around me uh, that I grew up with, Pickneyville. Um, they have like Carolina blue, white, and navy in theirs. Their basketball warm-up pants are 
uh, Carolina blue and white striped. Good also, we need to bring back real basketball warmups. That's uh, that's something that I want Brett Yormark to do. I want guys back in like the snap on sweats and like the baggy like pullover type shooting shirts, not like the the Nike dry fit stuff. Now I want guys out there warming up before the game and like the it, like it's like a pullover and it maybe it's collared and it's got like a quarter zip. Like I thought that's just a classic beautiful look. Uh, we got to bring it back. College basketball. That was very more, like long shorts era. Yeah. College basketball was much more aesthetically pleasing uh, back in like 2008 as opposed the long to long shorts era was bad. It's going looking back on it now, like you watch a game from even, you know, 10, 12 years ago, you, you're, sh- you're stunned at just how long the shorts were because I didn't realize it was as bad as it was. My favorite thing about that era. You'll, you'll know this too. Cause you're a big, like, uniform and Mm -hmm. like brands awareness guy uh my favorite thing about that era is that when nike was making uniforms the jerseys were very tight and snug fitting and almost like fitted but the shorts were very long and very baggy and it like didn't make sense that one thing was tight and fit and the other thing was long and baggy like you fit like the two opposite sides of the spectrum with your uniform with what you're trying to do now I think yeah. we're in a great spot now with the uniforms. Shorts are a good length. Um, we're out of the short, short era, even though it kind of came back for a couple months, a couple of years there with guys. We're at a good, good, like knee length short. Yeah. Jerseys are snug, not too tight. They're light. They look good, especially when Nike makes them. Uh, I think we're in a good spot with the uniforms. I hope they don't change too much after this. Yeah. Are you scared at all about being at an Adidas school now? I'm not. I don't have to wear it. That's the way I look at but it. But is it going to be like painful for you every single night? You're like, ah, got to watch an Adidas school. Adidas football uniforms are terrible. Yeah, it's the, they, the numbers, they're not stitched they're, they're on. They're stretchy and they're, yeah, they just. I will say I'm not bad. necessarily looking forward to that because it does make reading the numbers harder for football. I don't know if you've ever, like, KU is obviously an Adidas school. Like, when yeah. those numbers stretch oh, yeah. and, like, do weird things on the jersey like that's how we identify players at the very least you're lucky that uh that indiana to my knowledge they haven't done like the metallic numbers that a lot of schools have done and ku has gone away from that but there was a stretch there where ku was putting like metallic silver on their blue home jerseys like what who is that out there not that i care or not that he's good enough to register with me but like I would like to know for what I'm about to say or write about this. Home- I uh, got into this discussion recently and now we're going on and on and on. So I have props if you're still listening mm-hmm. to us. Uh, I was in this discussion recently with someone about college football programs that have like recognizable uniforms. You turn on the TV and you know, who's playing, but we weren't like talking like Ohio state, Penn state, Michigan or Bama or whatever. Like everyone knows. Yeah. And I said, I think the most like recognizable uniform helmet in the sport, like I turn them on, I'm like, oh, I see who's playing is Auburn. Their uniforms have been the same yeah. forever. They're very clean. They're classy, white helmet. They got the three kind of four pattern stripe with the AU on the side of it. Good, good uniforms they have. I think Auburn does a good job with their uniforms. Yeah, that's that's probably true. I mean, I they're not like great by any standard, but they are recognizable. And they stand out and they're doing the best they can because they're an Under Armour school. Just, you know, 
I'm a brand snob, and let me tell you, Under Armour and Adidas make terrible uniforms. Just do you see? Do you see what uh, Maryland's doing? Speaking of Under Armour schools, uh, no, I didn't. They're dropping the flag design on their helmets. They're going full oh, script. Yeah, okay, helmet. I did see that. Yes, I did see. That's that. a good decision. Yeah, no, that's fine. People, people will like that. I just. Ugh. Under Armour basketball uniforms are just hideous to look at. I think they're getting better. I think they're realizing, hey, we don't need to do too much here. But Adidas easily has a worse, a worse template. Texas Tech walks out there and you're like, oh, Under Armour, gross. See, I would argue that it, KU walks out there and their Adidas uniforms are like that. Just is not good. The, uh, I mean, look, I nothing against Under Armour in some categories. They, you know, they actually have decent golf shorts. I would give them that. So I'm not going to hate on them there, um, but. I've just nothing, nothing else. I can't can't get on board. But uh, nobody probably cares. We'll uh, we'll get out of here. We'll be done. We'll see everybody. Well, I'll see everybody next week on Monday. Uh, and stay locked in to EMA online with uh, plenty of more information coming your way. Some coverage uh, of the cats because even though it's the off season, and even though top 10 2023 recruits aren't hanging around, um, they may be in the future. And that's the only thing that you need to know is that maybe at some point K State will be hosting these big-name guys, and they've got large aspirations for uh, the future. We know that Jerome Tang and the staff have been out recruiting, and obviously uh, Chris Kleiman and his staff has been out as well. So still a lot going on with K-State. You can follow along with all of it over at Email Online. That'll do it for this Friday edition of Email Radio. I'm Mason Voth saying see ya. Thanks to Alec for hopping on and joining us uh, for maybe one last time. I'm sure we'll see him at another point down the road.